Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And myself, Scott Morrison. How are you doing, Scott? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Yeah, I'm really chilled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what you don't know is we're having technology problems and I'm like playing it real cool, but it's winding me up. But we're on. Let's see if this runs, Scott. So it's been some time since we was in the Hubcast room. Uh, Probably four months. Maybe even longer. Um, Scott, you're probably seven or eight months into your tenure now. You've um, been working a lot with print profiling. Yep. Um, a lot with customers, a lot with sales, given your sales background. And therefore, that brings us to the topic of this podcast, which is around the value of using print profile or the print profiling tool for sales teams and sales leaders. Yeah. And for anybody, I think the best place to start, Scott, is for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about when we're going on about print. Print is a psychometric testing tool, but it it, it tests for a slightly different thing to to normal behaviors. So if you think about all the traditional psychometrics like Myers-Briggs, insights, social styles, whatever it might be, they all test for like behaviors and you get a certain color or a certain profile and it gives you some really valuable information around the types of behaviors you, you you display and what you lead with characteristics, characteristics, traits, etc. Um, what print profiling does is it, it tests for your unconscious motivators, and that's different. Yeah, because they are the sort of under the water line unconscious motivations that you have to have met every day. What's your early experience of? So forget sales for a second, Scott. Sure. What's your early experience of? working with teams and individuals with print? I think, I mean, the way that print's received is is unlike anything I've seen before. The, the joy it can bring, the, the light bulbs that it turns on and the realisation of people. There's two sides to print. Um, I don't want to go too far into the detail, but the two sides that it shows of print as an outcome, you can see where people can say, I've been living in side A, and I'm living far too long inside being, and it's a realization of what their stress levels are or what, what motivates them in different areas is happening to them. So I think as, as far as a tool goes, I've not worked with anything like it. When I had my own print done with yourself eight or so years ago, I found it ridiculously helpful to me in the role that and I was. you was a sales leader at the time. I was a sales leader at the time, uh, responsible for upwards of 20 managers, over 250 staff, and the the insight it gave into me, even though you feel you know yourself, you're quite socially aware of who you are and how you behave, act and conduct yourself in presence of others, if you like, and how you communicate with others. Just knowing why you do it and having that rubber stamped, it's not an idea anymore, it's a fact, you understand it, you know why you're motivated to do things a yeah. certain way, really helps. And, and, and sales is a pressurized job. We know that because ultimately it's very metric driven you have a sales target or you have certain metrics that you're going to be measured by, yeah. whether you're a sales leader or a salesperson. Um, there are constantly end of the months, end of the quarters, end of the half year, end of the years. So it's like you're never ever in that. You never ever get a moment to go relax. You're constantly on the countdown. Yeah. You're chasing a date, you're chasing a time, you're chasing a number, you're chasing a project. And therefore, 
the reason we think, and we know because we've done a lot of work with sales teams with this now, is the reason print is so valuable for them is because it's in those moments of pressure and in those periods of stress where having the knowledge of what you're motivated by and what can compromise and trigger those motivators is it gives you an unbelievable amount of self-awareness to compose yourself, build the resilience to be able to recognize what's happening and just keep yourself on track and keep yourself productive. It's also invaluable for leaders because leaders only ever see the surface behavior of their sales staff. Sure, They only ever can sense if someone's struggling or if someone's um, under the pressure or if they're getting a bit desperate or whatever it might be, what they don't understand is what is under the waterline, what is under the surface yeah. that's causing them to behave like that in the first place. What's their DNA? What's the way, way they see the world? So motivations are incredibly important. And I think, Scott, arguably, I'll make the statement, I think understanding your motivations is more important than trying to analyze your behaviors. Yeah, I'd be agree. Because if you try and analyze your behavior, you start sort of saying to yourself, why did I react like that? Why do I feel this way? Why am I agitated? You're always looking for an answer yeah. that you're not quite going to find. It's a guess. And this is what I was saying earlier when I say, for me, it rubber stamped certain things that made me think that's why I do what I'm doing. And that's why I act the way I act at certain times when I'm yeah. stressed and when I'm calm and I'm, and, and I can hand on heart say, and potentially two different people in those instances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think identifying the isolated incidents and events and the triggers that are causing you to feel a certain way allows you to then fix it. Whereas sometimes if you just look at behaviors and you feel agitated and under pressure and not yourself, if you have no clue of what's caused it, you can't fix it. Do you know what I mean? And that's, the, for me, in, in a nutshell, that's the value of print for salespeople and sales leaders because they are constantly being pushed into what we call their shadow state. Yes. So let me come back to print for people who don't understand about it. It's a, it's a psychometric that has clever algorithms. That means you cannot always answer how you want to be perceived, which is really unique about it. But also what it's going to do is it's going to test you and process eliminate you against the nine things that human beings can be motivated by. And if you think about everything we do here at T2, Scott, about human behavior and evolution of the human species, we are very much fundamentally governed by let's three things, but let's just focus on two. So the three things are survival, reproduction, and purpose. You know, that if you strip us back as a species, we've got to survive. Self-preservation is our number one function, always has been. Number two, find a mate and reproduce. We share that with any other species on Earth. Let's forget about that for this conversation. They were big and ugly enough to know what that means. <laughs> Number three is to have purpose, reward, yeah. and fulfillment. So if you think about the main two, we are either going to be governed away from danger, survival, and consequence, and suffering, or we're going to be motivated towards pleasure, pain, and reward, and fulfillment. Sorry, not pain. Not pleasure, pain. reward, and fulfillment. So the motivations of human beings can be categorized into those two areas, away from pain, you're either motivated to avoid pain and danger or you're motivated towards pleasure and reward. So Prince does a very clever job at breaking those two areas down into nine other areas of yep. saying what things in modern day life can we be motivated by or towards? Mm -hmm. Some of them of the nine are 
away from survival and pain, and some of them are clearly more governed towards reward and pleasure. Right. Now, why is this important to understand for salespeople? Well, I think there's an assumption, Scott, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's an assumption that all salespeople are motivated towards reward and and money and shiny things and glory. And there's an element that that could be the case in a lot of cases, but as we are uncovering, it is definitely not the case in every individual. Yeah, agree. Um, when we talk about how we, we strive to, to achieve things, different people, as we just said, are motivated for different things. I'm somebody who is a bit of a trophy chaser. I like the rewards. I like what shines, and that that brings a, a different level of life for me. That's what I'm. I'm me too. That's what I'm goal driven. I want towards. to be on the stage at the end of the year, getting the, the round of check. applause, getting the big check, photograph <laughs> with the boss, top dog. Absolutely, yeah. and I don't apologise for that. I want that's my me. name yeah. on the number one section on the podium. That's what I want. You want to be on the trophy. You name in likes. And, and you know I what, Scott? That. If that comes, if that also comes with a lot of cash and commission, I'll take that as well. So be it. So be it. that's what we was employed for. But like you said, there's a, there's another section to that, and 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 some of the, the the motivators from the nine don't always drive you to strive for the spotlight. They're not always there just to collect that big check and have your name in lights. There's a there's a level of job satisfaction. There's a level of getting things perfect, correct, and right for people, and giving them the customer the correct journey so that they can go forward and get everything that they've come to you for. Um, and, and that's a key part for a lot of people. It's not just about what we gain, but a lot of people are givers, if you like, and it's about how they give for other people to receive in their journey. I'll tell you what we'll do in a minute. We'll go through the nine motivators one by one and we'll unpick that if this was present in a salesperson, what would, how would that manifest in the way they would go about the job? Okay. Right? However, coming, coming to your point there, um, we've all known really good salespeople, really good salespeople, who don't want to get up on the podium. In fact, they're saying to you, don't, don't make a big song and dance about me. I hate all that sort of stuff. You know, and actually you go, but you're really successful and you're driven to put in the activity and the work ethic to be able to be top of the leaderboard. And you don't want to be up on that stage in lights. I don't get it. Well, no, we do now because their intrinsic motivators are different. And as long as they're met in a more subtle way, yeah. that's enough for them to go again. So, just before we go into the nine motivators in the context of sales, just reiterating what, what we've said so far in the first 10 minutes, Scott, for sales leaders and teams who are under pressure, who have the job of producing results almost on a daily basis with that unrelenting spotlight on them, right? It un, Knowing your motivators, the things at a deeper level that's going to govern your behaviors and the way you respond to pressure and stress is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Knowing how people like to be rewarded is incredibly important. And I think that will then help sales leaders and their teams be more productive and have more levels of resilience when the going gets tough. Absolutely. Okay, let's go through the nine motivators then. Um, and what I'll do at the end, Scott, and this is this is something to say to the listeners. We've seen lots of salespeople with all nine motivators be successful in different ways, but there are some patterns where we can safely now say there is a trend of high-performing salespeople with certain motivators, and there's a couple where they are they they are they don't lend themselves naturally to being a salesperson. I think I think when we go through the the motivators, we'll see that there are some that are focused on result. 
and some that are focused on relationships. And as a result, that'll be the difference between driving in yeah. one way and driving. And there's in a another. couple where the nature of the motivator is overly governed by survival and therefore sales may not be the most optimal career choice for them. Doesn't mean you can't do it, yeah. but it's going to be a challenge You're for you. You're going to bring something different to the party. Right. Number one. So they're numbered one to nine. I'll introduce the motivator and then we'll just have a chat. Yeah. So the first motivator human beings can be motivated by is, is things for, for things to be perfect, correct, and right. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Scott. Mm-hmm. This is where a person sees the world as a more orderly place than a chaotic one. Yeah. It means that they like structure, they like um, process, they like things to be done to a certain standard, and they have a healthy sense of right and wrong, justice and fairness. Yeah. So if a salesperson's potentially got this motivator, they're definitely going to be a structured person. They're definitely going to want and embrace process. Yeah. Um, and for them, if they've got good process and structure and they've got a clearly defined role, set of accounts, territory, whatever it might be, and they can proceed and operate in a methodical, uh, orderly fashion, they could flourish. Yes. If this person has this motivator and they live in a chaotic organization with not much process, with a crap CRM system, with no allocated account, and it's a bit of the Wild West. Without great leadership. Without great leadership, and they're being rushed every single day for more, more, faster, might not lend itself well to sales. No, these these guys are going to be people who are going to be subject matter experts. They're going to want to know the ins and outs. Everything's got to have, like you say, a, a place in time. They're going to understand that. So anything that's time critical, that's going to be rushed, um, stress heaped on them for quicker results, that's that's not going to bode well for these guys. But what I observe and what my experience is, is ones can be great at sales if, um, if they're if there's good, robust structure and process, clearly defined territories and rules of engagement, good leadership behind them, and they have time to operate effectively. It, they can be phenomenal salespeople if that's the case. Um, these types of salespeople, though, will get a little bit disgruntled at unfairness. So if there's a bun fight over accounts, if someone's sold into my territory, if the rules of engagement are breached, ones really struggle with that because it's like, it's not fair. I've been working this account for bloody four months. You've swooped in and now the managers give you the sale instead of me. Yeah, There's plenty of examples of that where if, if you're motivated to be perfect, correct and right, that ain't going to sit well with you. And I've even known people leave on the back of an incident like that, leave their organization. Mm-hmm. Okay, second motivator, number two, to be needed and appreciated by others. Now, this is a, mot- a humanistic motivator that says, I... I want to be. I want to go above and beyond for others, and then in return, it gives me a sense of validation of purpose that I've made a difference. Yeah. So doing things for other people is their main motivator. Now, it goes without saying, Scott, that if you're a two motivator in your profiling, you may not be driven by the big trophy and the big paycheck, and you may be driven by the customer sending an email in going. Scott's phenomenal. Great Thank work. you so much. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the recognition of their making a difference for people is their driving force. Yeah. I'm sure these people will still take the paycheck at the end of it, but what they need more <laughs> than ever is to, they can't just go through the motions if they don't feel they're making a difference for the client. Yeah, and I think, and that's what I was about to say. One of the key points there is what the client's going to get from that relationship. 
compared to with other motivators as we go through, what the client will receive from the two will be second to none. And and that's where that, that relationship's built, where trust is built, and that's where well, look at that Claire. bond is. Clara works for here at T2. She's a two, right? And she will never want to let a client down. Her worst not. case is leaving an email unread or not responding in time or not servicing that client. And the clients love her. And she's got a high reputation and brand for efficiency with our clients because yeah. she'll go above and beyond for them. It's not just about the tangible outcome. Number three, the third motivator. And we are whizzing through these, Scott, but we want to leave a little bit of time at the end. Number three, to succeed and achieve. This is a motivator where a person has um, the sole motivation of achieving outcomes, results. They want to succeed and achieve in life. So they constantly set targets, flag on the hill, and they're going to work exceptionally fast and efficiently to try to achieve them. Threes are fast-paced. They're goal-driven. They're results-driven. I'm not saying they're not people-focused or people-centric, but it's certainly not higher up on the importance list as getting the results over the line you say that but also captains of winning teams now that that in itself gives inspiration to those around them creates a fellowship to some extent so you know there is a people element to what they're doing but in a sales role threes are going to want to be given a target given a set of accounts and then get out my way yes they're pulling up trees they're going to hit the phones hit their emails they're going to absolutely plow the motorways they're going to have meetings and they're going to have volume in the pipeline. Hard workers. Yeah. They will hunt opportunities. They will seek um, chances to speak, create accounts. They're, they're just going to work for it. And their, and their philosophy will be, and I can say this, right, because I'm a three. As am I. And we've been in sales a long time. My game was always about activity and numbers. If, you, if you've got a good pipeline of activity and numbers, and don't get me wrong, it's got to be qualified and you've got to do, your, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be credible and you've got to follow the process, but... If you've got good numbers and high activity, you'll always be okay. And that was my philosophy. And I always did well on the back of that. And I think this motivator particularly will probably suit more of a hunter role than it will a farmer account management role, probably. I would say great resilience as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you you are out there, you're on the core face of it, you're face to face, one to one, the rejection, etc. You you are just rolling with the punches, you're flexible, you're stepping in time. So yeah. yeah. Number four. One of the most rare, well, it is the most rare motivator of the nine. Not, I'd say this is one of the ones that you wouldn't see an awful lot in sales, but we have seen them. The motivator is to be special and find meaning in life. Now, this is a creative motivator where if you've got it, you want to be anything but ordinary. You want to make a difference in the world because then that will make you feel special and you'll have true meaning in what you do. We see this in creatives, in artsy people, yeah. performers, people who want to rip something up and leave a legacy and make it different from when they found it. Now, that always, when I when I give you that descriptor, it doesn't lend itself to a sales role. However, what we do see is little nuances where if you can be in some type of commercial sales role where it does require that element of creativity, whether it's with product or service, putting packages together, product innovation, you know, create finding creative solutions for customers and being sure. able to really, you know, they will flourish in that role where they will not flourish. It's where it's process driven. Like, you know, the one, yeah. the one will flourish all day long in processing and structure. The three will flourish all day long when you give them a goal yeah. and a target and a time frame. 
the four will flourish when you give them creative input over yeah. the solutions. Creative freedom. Yes, exactly right. If it's too metric focused and and target focused and processed, they're not going to yeah. stay Time around. Time will long. stand still. They'll become bored, agitated. That they, they, they need to to inflict a signature piece on what they're trying to do. Exactly right. I often think fours will be great in a marketing role yeah. or in a product yeah. and propositions Creating role. Creating new brands, yeah. new ways forwards, out of the box thinking. Yeah, yeah, innovative absolutely. stuff. Yeah. Fives, to be knowledgeable and smart. Fives live in a black and white world. It is rational thinking. They believe that knowledge is power. And actually, the way to make decisions and drive outcomes is to find the data and evidence, and that will always shine through. I'm not so sure. I think this would be in the bottom two motivators for a sale role because you know, how much of sales, and also fives don't live in that overly emotional relationships-based world. They're quite factual, quite rational, quite pragmatic people. And there's often an ongoing joke if you're motivated by a five that you're cold to relationships and emotions. You don't pick up on anything. And I don't think you can have, completely have that in a sales role. I also don't think it'll completely float their boat to be dealing with people every day and to be rushed into <laughs> rushed into no, but it won't, and to no, rush into targets. Yeah, right. We often see fives in quite uh, intellectual, analytical, analytical type roles, roles, whether it's finance, banking, uh, law and governance, IT. Yeah. You know, something where they can really flourish and provide that data driven, analytic approach to um, to the role. However, we have seen some fives in sales who do well. And if they're given, if they're allowed to operate on data and on rationale and on evidence, um, then it could work. But in many sales roles, it's it's very much not all all yeah. about that. I guess I guess the prep work for the deal, the information shared with the customer, the package that you would need to see to see whether the deal was good for you or where you get your value from, that type of creation for a five would be right Perfect. up the street. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sixes to be safe and secure. So to be safe and secure is very much governed by that survival instinct that we have, as we mentioned at the start. They look ahead. If, if you've got this motivator, your tendency is to look ahead at life, in life of all the things that might go wrong. Yeah. Get a structure and a scenario in place and a plan. They'll have a plan A, plan B, and a plan C. Yeah. It's like their brain is the early warning radar for everything. Mm-hmm. What they are is very loyal, very dependable, hardworking. But again, they like routine. They don't like being under too much pressure and they certainly don't like chaos and being blindsided. Sixes is a wonderful motivator, but I see this, Scott, as the least present motivator in salespeople because by the nature of a sales environment, if you've got this need to be safe and secure, at times in sales, you feel anything but safe and secure and you need a high degrees of personal resilience to be able to steer the course. Yeah, and and you've mentioned already, when we're in sales, we're chasing time frames, we're chasing deadlines, and a six is... They're not going to cope well with it, traditionally. Yeah, traditionally. I've seen a few in sales. Six is the least, it's the motivator I've seen the least in sales teams. So six and five would be not traditionally compatible in sales roles. Um, seven to enjoy life and be happy yep. seven is the opposite to the six they're like what we're we doing today and is it interesting they have a can-do positive optimistic view of the world they are great socially they're real visionaries and they love multitasking being busy and being on the go constantly yeah it, it's a good motivator for sales because socially excellent positive people who can 
motivate and influence others. They like the busyness of it. They like the chaos of it. Expressive, fast-paced. Yeah. It's all, yes, it's big personality type. You've all met those salespeople in your career where you go, everyone just loved them. They were yeah. socially amazing. Yeah. People bought into them more than the product. Mm-hmm. Likely it, likelihood is there was probably a seven. Yeah. Eight, to be strong and self-reliant. Now, this is the most dominant motivator of them all. Eights have the, in their life, they want to stand on their own to be independent, be in control of their destiny, and they do not want to be micromanaged or dictated to. Now, this can be fantastic in sales because what you get in with an eight is they are self-starters, self-motivated, and they are not going to need a whip. They're not going to need monitoring and they're not going to need any motivation to work hard, right? They're going to do that. The challenge with these people is they don't want to be told or helped or, or at times they don't always respond to feedback well. So they're the salespeople in your team where they're like the alpha wolves. You know, it's like you want them in the team and they've got many qualities, but they're a pain in the ass in meetings. Yeah. They push back on the process and they don't follow the rules because yeah, they think that, they're a law above themselves. That's it. They don't <laughs> follow the rules. And I think the key thing for an eight is that the advantage to an eight is you point them in the direction and let them off the lead. Yeah. And then they're going to go. You know, eights are great in sales because they're bold and courageous and they'll, they don't need a push. Great in a tough decision. Fast decision makers, sorry, in a tough situation, fast decision makers, they'll get things done. But they do as well. If they're working within a team, they do create uh, a good bond with the team. They'll always protect the team. They're very, very group focused too. Absolutely. And, you know, eights will will have tough conversations with customers. They'll ask for the order. They'll they'll do all the uncomfortable things. They've got yeah. high levels of personal resilience. So yeah. when it comes to the crunch, they're the ones who are a bit brave and bold and re- will really, um, you know, drive things to an end. Yeah. And when you sort of just on that one on eights, when you're talking about pace setting, looking to achieve the, the high levels at high standards, but push beyond those metrics of what you're chasing. And after that extra 10%, these are the guys that are going to get in the mix for that. And last but not least, nines. The ninth motivator is to have peace and harmony. And if you've got this motivator, you see the world as a very harmonious place. You don't really like conflict, discomfort, or discord. You want to work with teams, bring people together, collaborate. Um, you genuinely are quite balanced in your views, so you'll mm. try and find the middle ground and consensus. Nine can be a wonderful motivator in sales. Don't underestimate it. People think of it as, oh, peace and harmony. The, the, they've not got the backbone or the strength for it. Yes, they bloody have. Claire's a nine major, right? Peace, great account managers. Great account managers. You know, they will build relationships with clients. They will always listen and, and understand. They always put others first. Yeah. They will generally be able to sift through the madness and find out what the crux of the problem is and solve it. And they just seem to like let things go over their head and just continue on their merry way without really getting flustered. Great relationship builders. Yeah. Communication second to none with these guys. And like you was talking about the Claire earlier on, so you've mentioned her as a two and now mentioned her as a nine. You know, that combination for Claire is, is a dream for you yeah. in the role that you're in with what Claire does and how she supports the function. But yeah, the, the nines, yeah, like you say. Good account managers, strategic together. account managers, like retention, uh, account expansion, uplift, all of that, nines are going to be really well equipped to be mm. able to do that. I do wonder sometimes if putting a nine in a pure hunter's role where they've got to be a bit more aggressive and cutthroat and, 
um, target-driven and fast-paced, whether they would flourish as much? Probably not. No, probably not. Right, we've got a couple of minutes left, Scott. Let's just summarize where we're at. Um, print is a wonderful tool for testing generally around unconscious motivators and what's behind behaviors and what motivates people. The reason it's invaluable in a sales role is, as we've just gone through the nine different motivators you can have, it will absolutely then give sales leaders and organizations an understanding of how their salespeople are motivated. Yeah. Not only that, but have we got them in the right role? Because some people, you've got some great people there, but you've got them in the wrong role. If you might have some people in a hunter's role, which would be better at being a bit more of, a, of an account manager or yeah. a farmer and vice versa. Or you might have them in the right role, but you're just not, you're not, you're asking too much of them. You're not letting them operate and work in a way which is going to be naturally aligned with how they're rewarded and motivated, if Absolutely. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and I think one of the key things there when we're talking about print, regardless of what the numbers are, as a, as a manager, as a leader, as a team builder, as somebody who's got support function within that to, to create and develop people, what print does give you is a great way to communicate with these guys because it gives you an insight to how to speak to a, a one five compared to a three eight or whatever the number combination may be. But what it does is it helps you put yourself in your best light for them, even though that might not be comfortable for you as a, as a particular behavior type or a number, you know how to now communicate with someone else so not to trigger them. And that is such a key thing. It's about putting them first to get them at their most productive selves to drive them forward. And that's a massive tool from Chris. I couldn't have put that better to summarize the podcast, Scott, with about 45 seconds left. Um, if you um, are a T2 customer and you want to find out more about using print for your sales teams, please do get in touch with Claire, myself, Scott, anybody. We can, we can set up a call and talk about it. But a great way of finding out the dynamic of your sales team, getting the right people in the right roles and be, getting them to be the best version of themselves and in turn, that will drive up greater levels of productivity Absolutely. and ultimately sales performance. Yep. Scott Morrison, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. Introducing the T2 Leadership Retreat 2023, the ultimate leadership development experience from the people performance people. Join us at the prestigious Grove Resort in Hertfordshire for our annual leadership retreat where you will be joined by other senior industry leaders in this immersive three-day experience. The T2 Leadership Retreat will include a free night all-inclusive stay at the five-star Grove Resort, multiple leadership tasks, sessions and challenges, an in-depth personal leadership 360 report, an exciting off-site activity at a nearby location, as well as access to psychometric profiling and self-awareness tools. The retreat will be facilitated by experienced professionals from the world of business, the military and professional sport, and will feature high-profile guest speakers, Sir Dave Brailsford, Director of Sport for Ineos, and former New Zealand Rugby Union captain, Sean Fitzpatrick. To book your place on the ultimate leadership experience of the year, or for more information, please contact help at transuperformance.com.